confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. With a season of close battles, a new record created, and a champion crown, let's look back to the 2023 Formula 2 season. Welcome to Formula Talk. My name is Sophia, and today we're here to discuss the 2023 season for Formula 2 and any new news in the driver li- lineup for next year. Joining me today, we have Grid Talk co-host George Howison. Hello. Good evening. Good to be back. I know. We've been a bit a while due to illnesses and just technical problems. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can see I'm in a different background. I have flown back home to the country of Bermuda, not Barbados, for Christmas. So I've definitely been trying to organize all of that. But yeah, glad to have you back on for this episode as well. Really excited to hear your take of the 2023 season. Yeah, it's been it's been a hell of a season. Like we went over a couple of weeks back with our Abu Dhabi review, you know, and we're going to go a bit more in depth as well and with this show and just go through what's been a typically wacky season for Formula 2. Yeah, wacky, I believe, is very much the understatement of what this season's been so far. But before we get into this episode, we must thank our sponsor, which is Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting leads. Whoa, get the latest lines, odds, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wages, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get on on all the action. Wow, it's been a while. <laughs> Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that is B-L-E-A-B, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. And also, make sure you're following us on all our social media channels at Grid Talk UK to stay up to date with this show and also our sister show, Grid Talk. So, getting into it with... 13 out of 14 rounds completed, with Imola being called off due to the flooding weather. We start off in Bahrain for the Shahir Grand Prix. Starting the season off to a flying start for our champion of table chair, he was able to take pole and also the feature race win. However, an unusual race winner, and it was Ralph Barshaw, one of the oldest drivers on the F2 grid at 26 years old and has been involved in every single season since the creation of Formula 2, with only one of those seasons not racing a whole completed season. We're just going to round off the podium because we have so much to discuss in this 45-40 minute episode. So on the sprint podium, it was Ralph that won, Dennis Hauger P2, and Victor Martens rookie driver in P3. For the feature, it was Teo Butcher, Ralph Barshop in P2, and another rookie of Zane Maloney. Second round, we went to Jeddah. It was a new track for a lot of the rookie drivers, but it was rookie driver Victor Martens who took pole. Now, there's a few penalties, and I'm going to be saying penalties quite a lot through this episode because we had disqualifications, grid penalties, time penalties, did not start on formation laps, so much that happened in this season. But Frederick Vesti was, received a five-place grid chop, drop after the Shakir feature race for causing a collision, and both the Trident drivers received a five-place grid penalty after it was found that they had breached the sporting regulations when they did not turn their tires into Park Ferme. Now, Trident didn't have the best season with penalties. I think they had the team with the most amount of penalties this season, including a disqualification. Looking at the podium, though, it was Owasa who was able to take the top spot, followed by Victor Martens and Jehan Drubla in P3. Looking at the feature... Frederick Vesey took the top spot with Jack Dewan in P2 and Jehan Derubla in P3. 
Victor Pocher received a five-place grid penalty for causing an avoidable collision with Ollie Behrman during the sprint race. So he had the penalty coming into the feature race. Because of Teo finishing out of the points for both of the races, Ralph Barshall was leading the standings after two rounds. Now, I didn't have that on my bingo card because if you watch us in the beginning and we were previewing the F2 2023 season, he was not even mentioned half of the time. What was your take, George, for it? Like, interesting to see, for sure. One of these drivers not really spoken much about on the grid. Yeah, yeah. A guy, like you said, a guy has been in it since the start of F2, uh, since it was rebranded from GP2 back in the day. And seeing him leading after the first round and the second round, <laughs> nobody would have seen that coming. I mean, I, I don't think many people would have been predicting him to make mount a championship challenge after the first round. But, you know, fair play to him after the second round. Yeah, I mean, your fourth place and then not very good in the in the, in, in the feature, obviously. But, yeah, I mean, it, it was just completely unexpected. But it, the thing is, we went, I mean, obviously, don't want to go into spoilers because these things have already happened. But it took us a while to get a repeat winner. So this is, this is you know, F2 in a nutshell, really. And like we mentioned with Bahrain before, Teopo, our eventual champion, only get, getting his only win of the season in Bahrain. So you had Boshong and Porsche both winning on that first week and then going completely diverging paths after that. Um but yeah, I mean I mean it's gender as well, you know, these these modern street circuits, let's put it like that, you know, they produce an unbelievable amount of, of action. Um and when you get the F two kids in there as well, it just goes absolutely bonkers. So, you know, it's not it's almost not surprising to see disqualifications did not start, penalties. It's it's just par for the course really around Jeddah. A hundred percent. I mean, you can't say kids because, like, Ralph's older than me. There's a few other. He's younger than me. Guys. He's a kid. He's a kid. Young lad. <laughs> nah, if it's a 2000 and child, then I say he's a kid. But like any of the 1990 drivers, I <laughs> they're all around my age, which is crazy to think that some of these drivers are still racing in Formula Two in these at this age. And we'll announce at the end of this episode some of the drivers who are retained for the next season, which is surprising to see. Moving on to the third round, it was a new track for every single drive on the grid as it was the first time F2 raced in Melbourne and it was definitely putting the drivers to test with a rain-affected qualifying in which Iwasa was able to take the pole. In the sprint race, Enzo Fittipaldi and championship leader Ralph Poshak failed to start after accidents on the way to start the grid. Dennis Hauger, however, won and then Teo also had to retire during the race. Looking at the sprint podium, Dennis Helga, as mentioned, took the top spot with Jack Crawford in P2 and Kush Miney, who I like to label probably the most consistent driver this season, and we'll probably discuss it later on. He was able to finish P3. In the feature race, Oasa was able to convert the pole to win, with Terry Porcher finishing P2 and Arthur Leclerc finished P3. However, there was a lot of penalties at the end, which changed the result. Roman Sanek originally finished 10th, but was later given a five-second time penalty for overtaking Kushmani under safety card conditions, dropping him out of the points to 14th. Oliver Barron received a 10-second time penalty for failing to serve a five-second time penalty correct uh, correctly. Victor Martins received a 10-second time penalty for causing a collision with Dennis Hauger. So it's it's preluding to what this, <laughs> the rest of the season is, because... If you thought that was a lot, there's a lot more throughout the season. Now, round four, and I'm, we're going to spend some time talking about this one because this was my, one of my out of two favorite race weekends for Formula 2. We also have a historical new record that was created during the Baku round four, which was Ollie Behrman was topping every single classification from free practice to feature race, to qualifying, to sprint race. He was also two points short of scoring the maximum points you can on a weekend, which is unheard of in Formula 2 because it's always been so competitive. So the fact that that... And again, he's also a rookie as well in Formula 2. So as mentioned, Ollie took the pole position. Terry Pacheco received a three-point penalty for impeding during qualifying. Looking at the sprint, it was a Prema 1-2, which has happened... Which did happen later on in the season as well, being reversed. And then Jack Crawford finished P3. Isaac Hashar finished 8th, which was the last of the points, but he got a 5-second time penalty, thus dropping out. Uh, there was a 6-driver collision at the restart, which saw Dennis Hauger, Victor Martens, Jay Hendrubler, Taylor Porcher, Arthur Clerk, and Jack Crawford all involved. 
there was only 11 drivers that actually crossed the line. So it was a great race. I enjoyed watching it. George, what was your take on it? I very much enjoyed rewatching it as well. The sprint race in Baku. I mean, I think our first weekend there as GP2 in 2016, that was a suitably chaotic affair as well. And just like Jenna, like I said, you know, it's a, it's a modern street circuit. It's very quick, but the walls are there to punish you as well. So if these guys make any kind of mistake, the you know the consequences are huge. And we saw that on a level that I don't think we've seen before in F2. The amount of drivers. I mean, you just look at the classification and it's just like collision, collision, collision. Like there were just so many cars in there. And one, one of them just piled into the barrier and then more followed. It was a safety car restart, I think, as well at that point. So, despite it being incredibly hot at that time, the cars, uh, the cars' tyres would have been very cold. So they just slid wide. These guys are not particularly experienced, obviously, as well. And yeah, it was just a chain reaction. And you know, you got you got to credit Oliver Berman, though. I mean, he started down in ninth. He had no right to win that race, and he won it literally in the in seconds before the. Safety guard got called to overtake his teammate because Vesti was winning that race until literally the final active corner, shall we say. And yeah, it, it was just unbelievable. Um, he kept his nose clean. He, you know, he you'd think he was like the the veteran, you know, the 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 boshong of the group or something like that. Just keep his nose clean and all that. But he was 17 years old when he won that race. 17. You think about what you were doing at 17 and he's out there winning F2 races, two of them in the same weekend, getting a getting back to back with that and obviously as well, like you said, getting perfect score, topping every session. That's just, it shouldn't be possible, but he did it. Now, I think off the top of my head, only Felipe Dragovic and Oscar Piastri are the only two that have done back-to-back wins in a race weekend as well. But I do need to fact check that, but I know... It didn't happen at all, obviously, this uh, this season. But those two, I definitely remember. I think what was Felipe's was Monza. And I think Oscar's was somewhere else. But yeah, it he definitely put his name. Like, people obviously were looking out for him because of his F3 seasons before. But this definitely put him on the map for the 2023 F2 season. But yeah, I mean, to be fair, the, the six-driver collision, there was only one rookie in that mix so it was it doesn't show like experience but as formula 2 does not have tire warmers as well tire blankets compared to formula 1 it does make it quite difficult to heat up the tires even in a historical hot track looking at the feature as mentioned ollie was took the win with enzo fittipaldi p2 and tear Porcher p3 however victor martins i believe finished Third, my notes kind of deleted it, but was disqualified due to technical infringement surrounding his floor not meeting technical requirements. So pretty much his floor was too lower to the ground than what was allowed by the sporting regulations. This is also where the battle between Terapocha and Desi starts in the driver's standing as they were first and second with a few points difference after this round. Looking to round five, it was meant to be Imola, but it was called off due to the weather conditions and there was no replacement announced, meaning there was only going to be 13 rounds for this 2023 season. Following from that, we went to Monaco. Now, qualifying is very different in Monaco because of it being on the streets and very small, very narrow. What they've done is they split qualifying into two groups, Group A and Group B, and it's the best time out of both of them that sets the grid. So, in Group A, Victor Martins was the fastest, and in Group B, it was Frederick Bessie. However, all the two of them, Bessie had the better time and thus took pole. Looking at the sprint, Awasa took the top spot with Jayhan in P2 and Jack Crawford in P3. Two drivers didn't even uh, complete a lap with Roy Nassani involved in collision and sustained damage, and Ralph Boschon stalled at the start of the grid, which actually caused the collision. In the future, Frederick Vesti won with Teo, his rival competitor, in P2 and Zane Maloney in P3. This led Vesti to lead the standings by five points over Teo. Now, going back to a track that all the drivers know for it being very iconic in testings and development, it, we went racing in Barcelona. It was a good weekend in Prima with Behrman taking pole and a feature win and Vesti winning the sprint. In qualifying, Teo finished fifth but was given a three-place penalty for the sprint for impeding Dennis Halger. 
as mentioned, Bestie took the pole, took the top position in the sprint with an ART 2-3 with Teo finishing P2 and Victor finishing P3. There was a funny penalty that went the way of Amory Cordial. Originally finished 8th, but then given a 5-second time penalty for a track limit violation. As consequence, Iwasa got the final points, but then he received another times 10-second time penalty for failing to serve the 5-second time penalty during his pit stop. Now, this happens again later on in the season. Not to Amory Cordial, but to another driver. And I think they have the record for the longest amount of incurring time penalties. So we'll definitely, I believe it's actually the next round that um, this is happening. So feature race, it was Ollie that took the win with Enzo P2 and Victor uh, P3. And again, similar to the sprint, there was penalties galore. One man, well, Correa received a three place grid drop for causing collision with Roman Sanic in the sprint race. Roy Nassani received a five-place grid t- uh, drop for causing collision with Jay Hunter-Rubel in the sprint race. Jack Crawford originally finished 11th, but was given a five-second time penalty for track violations. Amory Cordillo, over the back of a not-best race weekend on Saturday, was given a five-second time penalty for speeding in the pit lane. Now, Brad Benavidez was given a 45-second se- time penalty for track violations and a 20-second time penalty for failing to serve the penalty correctly. He failed to serve the penalty twice. A whole minute, over a minute in penalties. I believe that is the record in Formula 2, and that's a record you don't want to have. <laughs> what was your take? It's that's disgraceful, isn't it? <laughs> it's terrible. So what, what, was, what was the original penalty that he didn't serve? Was it a 10-second stop and go or something? Yeah, I think what happened is the jack got touched in the middle of the tie penalty. So, oh. and so obviously they had to redo it. And then I think there was also, he had a penalty for track limits. And then I think there was another penalty for something else. But yeah. <laughs> 45 seconds. Like that is honestly, I, I normally make a joke at this point. I've done worse in the F1 game, but I actually don't think I have. I think at that point they probably disqualified. I mean, they probably kicked out the race. It's not, it is impressive that it genuinely is. I mean, we've seen we've seen it with Alpine a few times this season in F one, so it's not it. It's not like it's not like this doesn't happen. But you, you just got to laugh because the thing is, as well, the guy's already a lap down. It doesn't matter. Like he's going to be like twentieth anyway. So the, the stewards are just absolutely taking no prisoners on. My goodness, absolutely mental. I mean. <sighs> Because there was multiple pennies, penalties on top of penalties, and there was just, you know what, just chuck them all at once at the end. And just retire. <laughs> just pull yeah. into the garage. Oh, it was just, yeah. I mean, he didn't stay for the season that long. He actually was replaced by Josh Mason, I believe, three for the last three rounds of the season, which we will discuss in a bit. But looking at halfway through the season, Bessie was able to lead 11 points ahead of Teo as they went racing in Austria. Victor Martens took pole. In the sprint race, Jack Crawford was able to take his first win with Victor Martins P2 and Isaac Hajar P3. But once again, there was more penalties and even a disqualification. Championship 2023 champion Teo Pochera received a 5-second time penalty for unsafe release. Kushmini received a 20-second time penalty for forcing Ezra Vittipaldi off track. Ralph Warshaw was given a 10-second time penalty for forcing Amory Cordillo off the track, and Clamon Novelag was disqualified from the race after it was found that his rear tire pressures were below the limit according to the technical regulations, which meant that Isaac Hajar was promoted to the final points position. So, like, from one driver getting 45 seconds to, what, three drivers... And uh, getting multiple more than five second time penalties and a disqualification. Like, <laughs> absolutely chaotic. There's always something happening, isn't there? I've, I mean, I've been going through all the race reports, like I'm sure you have as well. And there's, there's always something in the notes, and there's always quite a few entries there. Um, like you said, I mean, we, we, it's something we need to fact check. But if this isn't the season with the Foster, I don't know what is because A, it's been a long season, and B, it. <laughs> It's just been so many of them. I think, like, I've been watching Formula 2, like, kind of more intently for the last three to four years. 
I have like watched it since 2017, but like off and on, but like I've been more kind of involved. But I think off the top of my head, this is the most times we've had more DNFs, more did not starts, penalties, time penalties, good penalties in general for the entire season. And even though this is one of the longest seasons that they've had, it's still a lot of these drivers are not rookies as well. Like these are not even rookies that are getting the penalties. These are all the veterans that are getting penalties, which is crazy to think about. But I don't know. We're going to do a special Formula Talk episode talking about all stats and numbers. We're even going to revisit all the predictions to see who was the best out of everybody that's been on Formula Talk with the predictions of the pole podium and pole predictions. I think it's going to be me. I think I have the most points to be correct, but Tom will probably disagree. Don't go put, don't go making bets on this show, Sophia. You know there's no. you know there's consequences. The sombreros <laughs> back there is still in here. <laughs> I mean there's no there's no big bet. It was just more like the bragging rights to say that they were the top predictor for Formula Talk for the first season of it. Next season, however, we'll we'll probably up the ante. High stakes. High stakes. Maybe not a sombrero. We're not doing that. Bet responsibly. But, don't use yeah. that music. But looking at the feature, Richard Bashore was able to take his first win of the season with the Wasa P2 and Vesley P3, increasing his lead by 20 points over Teo Pochev. Again, we went back to another iconic track, and it's known for all the drivers. It's Silverstone. Victor Martins was able to take uh, pole. There was a few grid penalties that took place as well. Kushmani was handed a five-place grid penalty for failing to serve a five-second time penalty for exceeding track limits in the feature race in Austria. Zambalani received two three-place grid penalties during qualifying, first for impeding Teopotcher and the second for impeding Jack Dewan. Dennis Halger received a five-place grid penalty for failing to abort a push lap during double-waved yellow flags. Again, lots of penalties taking place. Absolutely chaotic. In the sprint, Frederick Bessie was able to take the win with his rival Teopotcher in P2 and Jack Dew in P3. In the feature, Victor Martins was able to take the 25 points with Zamaloni in P2 and Teopotcher in P3. However, it was surprising Victor was able to remain on the top spot as he was given a 5 second time penalty for overtaking Awasa off the track but was able to extend the gap so it didn't affect his position. Shehan Daruvla, Roy Nassani, and Richard Vashore all received 5-second time penalties for speeding in the pit lane. Oliver Berman received a 5-second time penalty for causing a collision with Kushmini, and Roy Nassani, on top of the 5-second for the pit lane, was also receiving a 10-second time penalty for causing a collision with Frederick Bessie. You know what I'm going to do? Every time a penalty happens next season, take (laughs) take a shot. I'll be on the floor doing this sprint race not even the feature race I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say yeah especially with the time that a lot of these um a lot of these f2 races run and stuff you you'll be you'll be out for the count for that day like you'll be done just in a whole bottle not like i'm encouraging excessive drinking but god the fia loves throwing out penalties to formula 2 but not into formula 1 absolutely chaotic it didn't used to be like this you know i've 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 followed um what was GP3 and GP2 and now has become F3 and F2 for over 10 years now. It did not used to be like this at all. But it's only in the last couple seasons that it's really, the, the penalties have really ramped up. Before that, the stewards were just like, just do what you want. Just do what you want, lads. You know, Didn't now though. Why? <laughs> well, yeah, maybe, maybe they wanted to stamp it out, but it's not working. <laughs> I don't think it's working. Uh, you still have a lot of these drivers doing, to be fair, Again, we're going to do a stat episode for Formula 2. I want to see who is the driver that had the most time penalties for the season. Like, collectively as a number, but also just recurring, like... Gotti Benavidez, surely. Like, I mean, he, didn't, he didn't finish the whole season, though. But he got over a minute in <laughs> Yeah, but that was, that was one single penalty together. But he probably has the highest amount of seconds, but he didn't have yeah. the most penalties. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think he's got most time-wise, but yeah, yeah, the most most in total amount of penalties. I don't know. That's for you to figure out. Yeah, that's one of my projects for the off-season. Next round in the penultimate before the summer break was Budapest. Jack Dune was able to take pole ahead of Victor Martins and Bessie, who were all within a second of each other. In the sprint race, Dennis Hauger was able to take the top spot with a Wasa P2 and 
Ollie Behrman returned to the podium finally in P3. Kamal Novak was handed a five-second, five-second, five-place grid penalty for the beach race for causing a collision with Ralph Botshaw during the sprint, which resulted in both a DNF on lap 11. In the feature race, Doom was able to convert the pole to his first win of the season in his last F2 season, with Vesti finishing P2 and Victor Martins P3. After the round, Vesti was still leading the standing by 11 points, but in constructors, Prema and ART were both tied with 247 points each. For the final race, before the summer break, we went back to another iconic and historical track, which was Spa. There was a driver change. As mentioned, Brad Benavides was replaced for the rest of the season by Josh Mason for the racing by Cherus. In qualifying, Ollie Behrman was able to take pole with Juan Manuel Correa receiving a three-place grid penalty for the sprint for impeding Jack Dewan in qualifying. In the sprint race, Enzo Fittipaldi was able to get his first win of the season with Taylor Poitra P2 and Dennis Halga P3. Richard Bashore finished officially second, but was actually disqualified for illegal throttle mapping. Now, I was researching this, but I'm not fully sure what this actually means. George? So, I think it's something to do with how how the engine interprets the driver putting his foot down, basically. And, um, yeah. So, and I think if if F2 is like F1, it'll have some sort of restrictions on like how much power you can output, how much, how many revs you can do. Um, so maybe because of that, he was over whatever limits they were. And obviously, he would have had no way of knowing that. But it is a bizarre reason to, uh, to get disqualified. I mean, obviously, if he's done that, then yeah. But why his team's on that, I don't know. Um, it's a bizarre one. And interesting to understand how the FIA was able to discover that as well. That's also a big mystery. I guess, obviously, they have so much data and telemetry, obviously, comparing it to the other drivers on track. But at the same time, what's the range? Because some drivers might throttle a lot more in quarters than others or break differently as well. So, I mean, they can do. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm talking like 20 years ago now, but back in the day when you used to have refueling in F1, and this is obviously this would have moved on so much, but the teams could tell how much fuel each one of them had in their cars by the notes of the engine that it was making. So. Yeah, so things have moved on a lot since then. So I imagine the FIA will have something that'll be like, that sounds a bit dodgy. And then obviously they'll look into it. So um, honestly, the technology for this kind of stuff is scary, you know, because obviously they're all trying to stop each other from cheating too. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy looking at it. That's also why I got into sport is like the data and tech for it. But yeah, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before. But looking at the feature race, doing does the double feature race win, after winning last the previous round and was able to take the win for Spa. Teo finished P2 with Enzo P3, but again, it wasn't as straightforward. <laughs> right. Vector Martins received a five-second time penalty for speeding in the pit lane. Oliver Behrman received a five-second time penalty for causing a collision with Victor Martins. Colin Novolak received a five-second time penalty for crossing the pit lane exit. One Manuel Correa received a 10-second time penalty for causing a collision with Jack Crawford. Dennis Hager was disqualified during the race for rejoining the track after being pushed by track marshals. Frederick Vesti crashed out on the reconnaissance lap and therefore unable to start the race. Again, great race to watch. If you can't watch a whole weekend, watch the highlights of the feature of Spog because so crazy. Yeah, it was am- amazing to watch. But with Vesti not starting the feature and Teo finishing second in both of the races, he overtook the standings from Bessie by 12 points ahead heading into the summer break and speaking of break why don't you take a break from listening to us to give us a five-star review on apple or spotify and make sure you are liking sharing subscribing and following us to keep up to date also big news grid talk has been nominated for best motorsport content podcast for the sports awards we would really appreciate if you could vote for us Voting is open until the 28th of January, and the link to vote is on all our social media bios at Grid Talk UK. It is a great opportunity for us to be nominated. We are going up against some big names like Sky Sports, the official Red Bull podcast, and BBC Five, to name a few. 
great to have Good Talk nominated. It's been a great year, and obviously, as they are our sister show, so like just to be nominated is an amazing feeling for it. Returning back from the summer break, we went basing in Zanford. Now, another one of my favorites because of unusual winners. In qualifying, Jack Crawford was able to take pole ahead of Dennis Hawker. Richard Vashur was given a three-place penalty for impeding Zane during qualifying. Now, Spence, there wasn't that much to watch about because it was abandoned due to wet weather and it was going back and forth about the points. Now, they only completed two laps, but both of them were under safety cars, so full points were not awarded. However, looking on multiple different websites, Wikipedia was giving them points between 1 and 0.1 for the top eight, which is weird. However, on the F2 website, which obviously is the more correct one, no points were given. However, they did announce a winner, which was Isaac Hashar, and that would have been his first official classification win of the season. P2 was Victor Martins, and P3 was Ollie Behrman. But it was good for both Teo and also for Vessi as well because of the battle. Vessi was in the points, but obviously didn't get any, and Teo was actually at the back of the grid. Now, obviously, Zandvoort is quite an interesting track because of the banking as well, but the wet weather, like, it was a flood. Like, I believe F1 got delayed. Formula 3, I believe, also didn't have classification points in the sprint. But they took forever, though. It took about 25 minutes for them to actually abandon the race because they kept on doing one, and then they kept on doing, like, going out for, like, test laps to see how it was. But then the spray was crazy. So, technically, while they did two completed laps, I think they probably did about 10 under doing kind of, like, reconnaissance laps about the track. But they should have called it straight away. What was your take on that? It's, it's difficult, you know, it's difficult when it comes to these kind of situations. I mean, obviously, they, they don't want to have a repeat of Spa in F1 in 2021. Um, they also want to make sure that, you know, these guys can go out and race and can compete. Um, I'm not sure what time the actual sprint was on, but it's usually the afternoon and evening. I think it's the last, the last session of the day, basically. So there was nothing for it to kind of get, you know, knocked on and um, not happen. They had plenty of daylight because it was in the summertime or September time at least, so you know they they tried they tried to do it, but you know the weather was just awful for the most part that weekend at at, at Zandvoort. Um, it was never going to get good enough. But we see we see we do see it sometimes where things dry out quite quickly. Um, so you know I, I can understand them wanting to you know get it going and stuff. I'm very glad they didn't go because I didn't realize that about the the percentage points uh, that you mentioned before. But yeah, that that is listing it on Wikipedia. I'm very glad they didn't do that because can you imagine if the championship got decided with that? Can you imagine I've got one by point two of a point? I mean, Vesti was at the bottom of the points, so he was classified at zero point one of point. Like, um, God, <laughs> imagine there's a thing about losing by one point, but like a zero point one of a point. That's even more heartbreak, I think. <laughs> I think that I think that I mean, obviously, Felipe Massa's doing a lawsuit, isn't he? You know, that'd definitely be a lawsuit. Like, oh, there'd definitely be some grounds for that, surely. A hundred percent. So <laughs> I don't know where Wikipedia came with that. I mean, to be fair, they've not even updated Abu Dhabi twenty twenty three Formula Two webpage yet. So who knows? Maybe somebody was playing around with it on Wikipedia. Going to the feature race. Now, again, a great race to watch. Clamon Nobelak surprised everyone taking the win with Zane P2 and Jack Robert P3. Both Bestie and Teo actually did not finish. He lost his wheels on the track. And Martins originally finished fifth, but was given a 10-second time penalty for forcing Behrman off the track, thus dropping to ninth. And Ralph Farshad and Darubler received five-second time penalties for committing safety car infringement. So, yeah... Crazy. I mean, Clement Overlock, we only really mentioned him because of penalties. That was his only podium of the season. And it was a race win. And it was a shocking because he was so down on the grid. But because there were so many penalties and so many like collisions taking place, he was able to ro- take the win, which was definitely needed for China, given both him and his teammate, Roman Stanek, was not doing well this season. And Still didn't do well. Clamon actually didn't even finish the Formula 2 season. He did not actually race in Abu Dhabi. It was another driver that took his spot for that. But pretty much the drivers were able to take a month off and we raced for the penultimate round of the season, which was in 
Monza, a crucial round which could have seen Teo take the championship. He started off well. He was able to take pole away from Behrman by one of the biggest gaps of the season of a 0.159 seconds between pole and P2. In the sprint, it it was a well-needed win for Vesti taking the top spot with with Teo chair taking P2 and then also the battle of Oli Behrman for the rookie title as well, finishing P3. I lie, that my notes are completely off. In the sprint, it was a well-needed win for Vesti, taking the top spot with ART and Teo's teammates, Victor Martins taking P2, which was in his own battle with the Prema driver of Oli Behrman for the top rookie title. In P3, Richard Vashore came third. Teo was able to secure points from starting from the reverse grid of 10th and finished fourth. I, I brought these notes today, but I, I guess my handwriting, not even my handwriting, my typing just doesn't even make sense to me some of these times. But there's no race without penalties. Isaac Hashar received a five-second time penalty for leaving the track and gaining an advantage. Jack Crawford was handed a five-second time penalty for exceeding track limits. Juan Manuel Carrera received a 10-second time penalty for causing a collision with Jay Handerubla. Now, I think there was only two rounds, two races where there was no penalties whatsoever. And again, I will fact check that. But for 13 rounds, 26 races, only two not having any kind of penalty, that is crazy. I mean, imagine if they had it for every single race. Wild. In the future race of Monza, it was Ollie that took the top spot with Awasa P2 and Teo Porche P3. This led the gap between Teo and Vesti to grow because Vesti didn't even start the race after a collision with Roman Stanek, in which she was pushed onto the grass and spun and hit the barriers on the opening lap. This led the standing towards Teo's favor for the final round with a lead of 25 points, which is the same amount that you can get for a feature race win. For the final round, we went racing in Abu Dhabi. Again, another big break. I mean, George, like the last three rounds had a span of three month difference. There's so many gaps. I understand, obviously, because they were racing, F1 was racing in the States and in South America, and the cost of that was too much for Formula 2. But wouldn't it best try to finish it at the end of the European season, like how we do in Formula 3, which finishes in Monza? Because that's big gaps with a lot of drivers not involved in other racing. Some people did obviously endurance. People like were testing in Formula Three, uh, Formula Three, Formula E, and IndyCar and everything. But that's a big break for these drivers to come up and come come back quite like cold, I guess, for the final race of the season. Oh yes, yeah, it's, it's a huge gap. I mean, but come on, we we know why. We know why. Money, simple as that. I would Gabby is the final race. Of the F1 season, they want to be the final race of the F2 season as well. They want to be seen as the place where the person who comes into F1 next gets crowned. Next gets crowned. But yeah, no, I'm with you. It's a it's a huge gap, and I don't know I don't know what these guys were doing in between that gap, but it would make a lot more sense just to end it at the end of the European season. But they just won't. But you never know. There is potential for them to potentially go out to Asia or something. I mean, they went to Australia this year for the first time, so I wouldn't rule that out. Obviously, there's a down- Singapore. <laughs> Well, they, they, used to do, they used to do it. GP2 used to go to Singapore. I remember Julian Palmer back in the day, he won there. I guess he did know we have to have his wits about you on a street circuit. So it has been done before. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd love to see it. Can you imagine the F2 guys around Suzuka? My days. Oh, that'd be incredible. You know, I'd, I'd love to see that. And I think it would kind of space things out a bit more because, you know, some of these some of these tracks in the mid-season, maybe, maybe one or two of them could go, but... A lot of them I do like. I mean, I do like Baku. I like Monaco because it's it's manic. I mean, Zandvoort this year produced some ridiculous results. Thinking from a safety point of view, I love Spa. I really do. But obviously, with the history of it, maybe maybe think about potentially going away from there. But I do love the track as well. I do. So yeah, I'd like to maybe see something in there if they go to Japan or something to kind of break up that gap. That'd that'd do really. I'd do the drivers good too. From you know, keeping them fresh and ready for the next round. Yeah, because there is very much a difference between sim racing and training versus actually being mm. on the track and proper racing. So, as much as some of them were able to do some testing for Formula E, so they had some kind of understanding and being on a track, like a live track, but it's what it is. I mean, I think 
because they do a postseason test in the weekend after Abu Dhabi for Formula 2, it made sense because, again, it's a track that they do testing on quite often. Not just in Formula 2, but also in Formula 3. It's very similar to how Barcelona does a lot of the tracks for testing as well. But looking at Abu Dhabi for the final round, in his last F2 race weekend of his career, Jack Doom was able to take pole ahead of Victor Martins. But the biggest shock was Teo Porcher not finishing in the top 10 in qualifying. He mentioned in the press conference that there was some damage slash issues with the car, which made him unable to put a competitive time in qualifying. Vesti classified P9 in qualifying, which meant that he would be on reverse front row for the sprint in P2. In the sprint race, it was a must-win situation for Bessie, uh, while he was able to overcome restarts and close battling to take the top spot in the last few laps of the sprint, ahead of Enzo Fittipaldi and Bitcher for sure finishing P3. That was a great beat. Like, there was some great overtaking from Bessie. As mentioned, even though he did start on the reverse front row, it wasn't straight sailing. I think the lowest he dropped down was like P10 in that race, in that sprint race. So, to go from P2 to P10 to first in only, I believe it's 15 laps off the top of my head. Like, that is great to have, especially on a track like Abu Dhabi, where overtaking is not as common compared to the other tracks. Sorry. Sorry. Also, as well, title contender Terry Pacheco was able to get some points. He was starting from P14 and was able to cross the line P7, taking two points into the feature race. Into the feature race, this meant Teo was leading by Bestie by a handful of points. This also meant that Bestie would have to win the race or place in top three with the fastest lap and Teo not get any points. It went down to the wire as well in the constructors with Prema and ART battling out. ART was ahead by 17 points before the feature race. Taking the last win of the season, it was Jack Dewan who was able to convert his pole. He actually has the most feature race wins of the season winning three of the 13 rounds. And his campaign in Formula 2 came to an end as he has decided not to move forward in Formula 2 and to focus his time being the Alpine reserve driver. Victor Martins took P2, which secured his title of being the best rookie after his competitor of Oli Behrman did not finish and pulling into the pits and had to retire. And rounding out the podium, Bessie was able to secure a podium. However, Teo pulled a masterclass of racing and finish fifth, giving him the championship. With both Victor Martens and Teo Porcher in the points, ART was able to win the Constructors' Championship over Prema, making it a clean sweep of awards for champion for both drive-in constructors and top rookie. Absolutely crazy to see. It was Teo was battling so many, like these drivers were not having it easy for him at all on that race. But looking at the final standings, Teo Porcher, as mentioned, was able to be crowned champion for 2023 with 203 points. Vesti finished P2 with 192 points. With Dewan's win in Abu Dhabi, he was able to overtake to take P3 with 168 points ahead of Owasa by 15. P5 was Victor Martins as the top rookie with 150 points, which was 20 points ahead of his competitor, Oli Behrman in 6th with 130. Enzo Fittipaldi finished 7th with 124. Dennis Hauger, P8, 113. Richard Vashore, 108. And rounding out the top 10, Zay Maloney, which is the third rookie with 96. Now, that's the F2 season. Now, we will have special episodes for F3 and F1 Academy and about all the predictions and stats and see who has been the best. But George... What describe in a few words how has this season been for you watching it? It's very exciting, very unpredictable. Um, a lot of the rookies really impressed. A lot of the more experienced drivers, like we were saying, made a lot of mistakes. Um, I thought it was fantastic to see Porsche finally win the F2 championship. It's something he's been tipped to do ever since he joined the series. Um, great to see some performances, like you said. I mean, Vesti getting a lot of wins, doing getting a lot of wins. Wasser as well. Martins and Behrman being the standouts of the rookies. They're ones to watch for next season. They'll both be heavy favourites, I think, to at least be up there challenging. Um, and as well, like you said, like you mentioned earlier on, Miney as well, which he was another rookie. Very impressive, as was Maloney. Bit of balance support there for you. Um, 
but yeah, they were they both did really well too. Very consistent. So yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be very interesting to see how these guys kind of evolve next year with a lot of the a lot of the top guys. I mean, all of the four top finishers from this season, I don't think are coming back. So it'd be very interesting to see what happens next year in, in F two in twenty twenty four. Yeah, Martin is the only one that's returning like the top position of returning. Well, actually, I can't even say that it's still not confirmed if he's with ART for next season as of today's episode recorded on the 21st of December. I mean, technically, Behrman, P6, he's been retained for next year. And speaking of next year, let's look at some of the driving lineups because a lot have been confirmed since our last episode. We now know where Jack Crawford and Ritamaro Miata are going because, as mentioned in the previous episode, they announced that we... That they will be racing, but not to which teams. So, looking at ART, Zach O'Sullivan moving from Formula 2 to Formula 3 after finishing second in the standings. He is replacing Teo due to Teo not being able to complete, uh, being that he won the season. And it was rumored that alongside him will be Victor Martins joining the French team again for a second year. However, it's not been confirmed. So, it seems more likely because he has done very well with ART, obviously, last season, this season, 2023. Looking at Prema, they have both of their drivers confirmed. As mentioned in a few of our episodes, Frecker winner Kimi Antonelli will be joining alongside Oli Behrman. He is retaining his spot with the team for his second year. Roden Colling has both of the drivers confirmed. Zane Maloney is staying, and joining him is Super Formula champion Ritomoto Miniata. As mentioned, he said that he was coming into Formula 2, but it wasn't announced where he was. That got announced, I believe, last week. Looking at Dams, Jack Crawford has confirmed moving teams. Now, it was unsure who was going to join him because Owasa announced that he was moving to Super Formula for the 2024 season and Arthur Leclerc was rumored to move to Endurance. But as of today, literally hours before this episode was recorded, Juan Manuel Correa is back for a full season and racing with... I'm excited to see him back. I believe this is his second full season in Formula 2 after the tragic accident in Spa. I believe he did two seasons or one season in Formula 3 as well. So it's nice to see him racing back again. Invicta has a name change for 2024. Instead of being called Invicta Virtuosi Racing, it is now going to be rebranded as Invicta Racing. They have both of the drivers confirmed with one of the consistent drivers of the 2023 campaign of Kushmini, who is now under management by former Formula 1 champion Mika Hakkinen. Alongside him is the F3 2023 winner of Gabriel Bortolato. MP Motorsports have both of the drivers confirmed. Dennis Hauger is retaining again to race for MP after parting ways with Red Bull Junior Academy. Alongside him, having the opportunity to race in F2 already, replacing Jehan Derubla, who will be in Formula E, is Argentinian driver Franco Colapinto, who has moved from Formula 3 to Formula 2 for 2024. Van Amersfoort has a new driver, and that is Enzo Fittipaldi, given that moving from Carling with Ritomoto taking his spot. However, the second seat is still undecided at this moment. Hightech had both of the drivers confirmed, with Paul Aaron moving from Formula 3 to Formula 2, alongside one, again, one of the oldest drivers in Formula 3, Amiel, Formula 3, Formula 2 of Amory Cordiel. I believe that was one of the ones I rumored that was going to be returning, so... So far, my predictions and the rumor bill has been quite correct. Looking at Campos, Isaac Hash moves to the Spanish-based team, and joining him, moving from Formula 3 as well, is the Spaniard of Pepe Marti, who is managed by Fernando Alonso and was announced in August 2023 as a Red Bull Junior team member. Trident announced, I believe yesterday actually, Richard Vashore will be racing for them in 2024, and the second seat is still to be confirmed. And finally... One of the most chaotic teams of the F2 grid, both this year and even last year, PHM Racing by Shrews, which will now be only called PHM Racing, has confirmed that Joshua Dickinson, which we've discussed a few times, moving from Frecker to Formula 2, even though he only finished 19th in Frecker, will be taking one of the seats. We still don't know who the second one is. I believe it's going to be Ralph Warshaw or somebody that knows Formula 2 
that can help this guy because i'm i'm not trying to be rude but like he finished 19th at Berkeley. He's not won any kind of championship. His whole single seeding karting career, his highest finish is 8th. And he's moved from Brecker to Formula 2. I understand Kimmy. 100%. He won it and he won records. Josh? Again, no malice, but make it make sense to me. Can't. I, 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 genu- I genuinely can't. I mean, yeah. At this, po- at this point... They'd have to, like you said, so for the experience, get Boshong in, get Roberto Merry in, you know, get the old gang back together. You know, I, I have no idea who they're gonna get, no idea. I'd like to see another, you know, young kid get a chance and stuff, but oh, I really, it really does, it really does feel like too much of a step up. The only, the only thing I'd say, and this is something I did mean to mention in when we last spoke about him, there have been occasions when people have not really done anything in a lower series, and they have come up and they've done well. I mean. And the main guy I think of when I think of that is Kumi Kobayashi, who, by all accounts, was absolutely rubbish in GP2. Comes into F1, immediately effective, immediately good. So I will say that sometimes drivers can make these jumps up and do better. But, like you said, eighth place being their best ever finish. And that was like, like that was in 2018 in the standings. Like It was five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. He's like finished like 18, 19, 25th. Like he's done multiple different disciplines. He's raced Formula 4 as well on top of Freca, but like, I I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. We'll discuss him more definitely when we preview the 2024 F2 season as well, but all eyes are definitely going to be on him. But that is the end of reviewing the Formula 2 2023 season and the current new news of driver lineup. Now, it's been a great season. We still have a few more episodes leading into the break before we go back again in February for testing. But this season, it's the most involved I've been and I've had so much fun time watching these races, getting involved, having the opportunity to sit into the press conferences as well and speaking to some of these drivers have been an amazing opportunity and it's been a great a great season because it's been so unpredictable there's been as mentioned penalties disqualifications unusual winners first first win winners for a lot of the rookies as well and it makes it very competitive to watch so i always recommend if you like formula one and you think it's too complacent watch the formula two and even formula three when that is taking place on race weekends but formula talk is available on YouTube where episodes are posted after we record, but you can also find us on Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, and Pocket Cast. Just search Formula One Grid Talk for our backlog of catalogs of shows with previews and reactions to Formula One qualifying and race results, and also our episodes of Formula Talk. Please consider supporting the channel on Patreon so we can get mics, lights, and better record- recording equipment. And make sure you're subscribed to the first to know when each new episode is released. And as mentioned, we have been nominated for Best Most Sport Podcast. So we would appreciate if you would take five to vote for us. Every vote counts. And once again, it's an amazing opportunity. I'm very proud of my like the team and everybody involved for it, both behind the scenes and on the screen. So really well done to the team. Thank you, George, for joining me again, as always. Lovely having you. Lovely being on, Sophia. Thanks for inviting us. Yeah, definitely definitely be on a few more of the episodes leading up to the new season, for sure. And we'll be back soon with plenty more content. As mentioned, we got Formula 3 to round up and F1 Academy. Thank you very much for listening to Formula Talk presented by Bet Online. Goodbye!